Welcome, everyone. You are listening to Truth in Christ Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. In the very beginning, it says, therefore, here, underline the word here, and also in verse 4, underline the word here, there as well, because it's a, it's a Hebrew word, and it's Shema. We know of a, of a, of a group here in Rochester, Shema Israel. It's a, a Jewish uh, temple, or not a temple, but a Jewish synagogue or a teaching place, right? And it's called Shema, and this word literally means here with the intent of obeying it, with doing it, and, and, and the obvious idea behind this is we can hear things all day, but if we don't incorporate that into our life and do something with it, it's just jangling around in our head and our ears, and it's fruitless. Today on Truth in Christ Radio, Pastor Rob begins a three-part series on chapter 6 in the book of Deuteronomy. Today's teaching involves the greatest commandment, and that is to love your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This truth represents what the Jewish nation calls the Shema, which means hear, hear, O Israel. God wants us to hear him when he talks to us through his word, and sometimes he chooses to repeat what he says. Today we learn that we not only have to listen, but to act on what he tells us for it to be a blessing. Let's listen to Pastor Rob's message for today. So without further ado, let's go ahead and let's just pray, and let's just get into the word. Father, we do thank you for tonight, and Jesus, um, we thank you for your word, Lord. In the Psalms, Lord, you say that you put your word above all of your name. And Lord, as we read it, Father, may it be more than just words to us, Father. May it even be more than just familiar passages, Father, that we recognize and perhaps have read a number of times. Uh, But Father, we pray that each time, each pass, as we go through your word, Lord, we know that it is living. And Lord, there are so many things, many facets to your word. And Lord, quicken us by your Holy Spirit, Lord to put on our hearts those things tonight that you want to touch, Lord. If nothing more, Lord, just to continue to conform us to your image, Lord. There's no safer place, no better place for us to be than to just seated under your word, Lord. What a great place to be. What a great place to encourage others in the word. Father, the greatest vocation in all the earth, Lord, is reading your word and, Lord, um, being ministered to by your word. So, Lord, bless us, Lord, tonight and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So as you know, we are in the book of Deuteronomy, and we are uh, in chapter 6. Last week, we talked about the Ten Commandments. We know that the Ten Commandments were originally given to us in Exodus chapter 20. And if you remember, the children of Israel had just come out of, out of Egypt, and they'd only been really three months out of Egypt when God delivered the Ten Commandments to them. 
And so when we get into Deuteronomy now, really what Moses is doing is giving us a second telling of all those events of the past. And the reason he's doing that is because that first generation, if you remember, had passed away in the desert. They had been disobedient. They, had never, they, did, they weren't listening to the Lord. And you know the, uh, the history behind that. We, we've read that as we went through Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Um, I'm sorry, uh, Exodus and uh, Leviticus and Numbers. And so when we get into Deuteronomy, it's just Moses speaking to this new generation, this generation where their parents have passed away uh, because of their unbelief. They weren't able to inherit the promised land because of it. And so here they are on the cusp of going into the promised land. And the Lord is seeing fit to remind them again of these things. And never be upset that God repeats himself. Because he doesn't do anything in vain. There's nothing that God does that he he does to waste his time. Everything that he has in his word is there by design. And the Bible says that he knows that we are dust. He knows that we are dust. He knows that we need to be reminded because even if we know the facts, knowing the facts is not enough because just having it up here is not good enough. It has to get from here to that 18 inches down into here, into my chest, into my heart, this area of my soul where my will is engaged. It has to get from here to here. If it doesn't, then we become like the Pharisees. We become a person who is aware of a lot of knowledge, and we're the only other recourse then with that knowledge is to show externally, show externally when there's nothing really going on internally, and God has a way. He wants to make sure that it's internal because if it's inside of you, it's going to grow like this. It's better to always, instead of putting a Band-Aid on the problem, which is what the law did in, in the sense of the, 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 the Pharisees and the Jews, they were just looking at the externals, and they were just putting Band-Aids on things, and God is trying to weasel his way into their hearts and saying it was always about the heart, always about the heart. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament says, you've heard that it was said, you know, he who hates his brother without a cause is guilty of murder. Wow, that's a whole different thing. Because then in the Exodus 20, when we looked at the Ten Commandments, you shall not murder, Jesus takes it from the external act to the internal reality of my heart. And he did that with adultery too. You don't have to do the physical act of adultery to be guilty of it. You can lust in your mind and be guilty of adultery. And boy, we're all guilty of that, all of us. And so they are here at the edge, and and God is revealing to them once again to remind them because they need to be reminded because they were going to inherit a people, seven nations greater and mightier than them. They were going to go into a culture of people who had been involved in pagan idolatry for centuries, for centuries. You know, some people get upset when they think of God bringing the the children of Israel into these different lands and then telling them to go in and wipe out everything, men, women, children, everything, livestock, just kill everything. And to the natural mind, that would be true. It wouldn't be a very hopeful thing. But one thing you have to realize that as God was bringing the children of Israel into these different areas, into Canaan specifically, God had given those people groups several hundreds of years to repent of their idolatry. And there does come a time where God has to drop the hammer, when judgment does have to come. Isn't that true? And so we ought not to feel sorry for those people. It's unfortunate they had to die. It's unfortunate that many of them 
maybe a great majority of them died and, 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 and didn't go to heaven. They went straight to hell. That's never a, a, a prospect that anybody likes. The Bible even says that God does not delight in the death of the wicked, and neither should we. Regardless of how cruel and mean they are, God wants to give us a heart that we would mourn over those in their sin, and that when we see a brother or a sister involved in a sin, we wouldn't approach them in self-righteousness, putting them down, but we'd reach out with those caring hands of the Lord and pull them up out of the muck and the mire. And that's really what we're supposed to be, to be the hands and the feet, not to be a group, an army that shoots its own wounded, right? We don't want to be those kind of people that shoots its own wounded. This place ought to be a place of healing, a place of encouragement, a place of blessing, a, pla- a safe place where we can come, be honest. And oftentimes it's not because we come in and we put the face on, we put the mask on, and our experience together can be so much richer, can be so much better if we would just realize that we are all sinners. So it ought not to surprise when you go to another person that they're struggling with an area of sin. Of course they are. Of course they're struggling with this. Of course they're struggling with that. And you are too, to some degree. And so ought we not to pray with each other and take the time to pray. Don't just let this time be a time of just hearing me and then going away. Take some time afterward. Pray with one another. Throughout the week, call somebody. Many of you have each other's phone numbers. Hey, how you doing? How are things going? Hey, about that thing that you talked about last week, how are things working out? You know, let's be the body of Christ. Amen? That's what I want to be. I want to be better at that. So Moses, finally, in... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now this is the commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded uh, has commanded to teach you, that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. And why? Verse 2 gives us the answer, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep his statutes and his commandments which I, commanded, which I command you. Notice, you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life and all the days that, uh, I'm sorry, and that your days may be prolonged. I want you to underline a few things in this verse. Number one, underline you, your son, and your grandson. Because here we have represented three different generations. Three different generations. And notice grandfathers and grandmothers. There's some of you here tonight that are grandmothers and grandfathers. Notice that you have an effect not only on your son's and your daughters, but all of your grandchildren. That's two other generations under you that you have an impact on. And I want you to notice something else. The impetus is on the men. Notice what he says. Teach them to your son and your grandson. That, that God is speaking to the men. Men, you do this. Don't allow your wife to be the one that wears the spiritual pants, if I can use that word, and, and be the one that is supposed to be the, the, the one who does this. God puts the impetus on the man because the man is the head of the home. And if he has a right heart about it, he's not going to walk around like King Kong pounding his chest with a bunch of bravado. He's going to approach it with, with meekness, with gentleness, knowing his position that God has placed him in. And also, ladies, to know that your place is to serve alongside of him, to be his help meet, because Lord knows we need lots of help, <laughs> Right? I need lots of help. Without my wife, I would be probably unemployed in Greenland. So, but notice, he speaks to the men, and why is it that men have abdicated this authority 
over his family. And over, and not only in the family unit, but in the church. There are some churches, some denominations that have abdicated the authority for, of the man to the women. And the, believe me, there's nothing wrong with women, obviously. I'm married to one, and I love my wife. And I'll be the first to say that my wife is smarter than I am. She's definitely prettier than I am. No, but it's true. I know my wife could run, if she put her mind to it, she could run Xerox. She could be the CEO. She could balance the books. I mean, she's got that mind. And, and, and so I, I gladly understand that about her. But God hasn't placed her in charge, in, in authority, has he? He hasn't placed guys you. He hasn't placed um, your, your wives in authority over you. There's an order in which God has created things. He created man first and then woman. Woman means out of man. And woman was to be uh, subordinate to man, to her husband, with gentleness, meekness. And unfortunately, in our culture, that doesn't fly very well because many of the men are not taking the leadership role. They're not acting like leaders. They're not even reading their Bibles. They're not going to church. They're not in prayer. And so, you know, naturally, in the void of any spiritual authority, the woman will naturally fill that void. We see that in the Old Testament when, uh, you know, Deborah goes out in the time of the judges. Where were the men? Cowering in fear. And here's this woman who stands up with a sword and says, we're going to go after him. <laughs> and God says, you know what? I can use a woman like that. It wasn't his first choice, but you know what? He's, he loves that. He loves Deborah. And Deborah delivered the children of Israel. But the place was supposed to be the man. But notice, to your grandson, your son, and, and to yourself as well. And so we need to be careful of that. Verse 3 says, Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you. And why? That you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And I want you to under, underline another word in that verse. In the very beginning, it says, therefore, here. Underline the word here. And also, in verse 4, underline the word here. There as well, because it's a, it's a Hebrew word, and it's Shema. We know of a, of a, of a group here in Rochester, Shema Israel. It's a, a Jewish uh, temple, or not a temple, but a Jewish synagogue or a teaching place, right? And it's called Shema. And this word literally means here with the intent of obeying it, with doing it. And, and, and the obvious idea behind this is we can hear things all day, but if we don't incorporate that into our life and do something with it, it's just jangling around in our head and our ears, and it's fruitless. The real wonder, the real miracle of the Word of God is when we do it. In other words, when you're reading something, say in Matthew, you're reading the, the Beatitudes, and you're reading, and you're thinking, well, I've read this before. This is for somebody else. Well, maybe, but you know what? It may be for you. And here's the wonderful mystery of the gospel, of the Word of God, is when you take God's Word and you appropriate it in your own life, and you say, I am going to do this with all of my heart. Lord, help me to do this. I don't care about anybody else right now. I want you to do this in me. And I tell you what, when you take the step to do it, God will meet you more than halfway, and he will empower you to do it. And then you own that scripture. When you overcome an area of sin, and you repent, and you struggle through it, and you fight through it, and you pray through it, and finally the Lord gives you victory over it, boy, are you a trophy. Because now you can share that same experience with someone else who's struggling with the same thing. And we need to do that. People need to know there's hope. 
There are some sins that are so grievous, so insidious, that, that they attach themselves like, a, like glue to a heart. And someone needs to know, hey, that glue is going to come off today. And perhaps you had that glue on you. <laughs> and now you can speak the word of truth, and it's, it's, it's powerful because it wasn't just something you know up here. It's something you experienced. It's something you lived. So that's the word shema. It means to do, to obey it, to hear it, but with the intent of doing something about it. He says, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to observe that it may be uh, well, with you, actually, I read verse 3, excuse me, verse 4. Now he goes on, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, Yahweh, that's Jehovah, the Lord, our God, Elohim. The Lord, Yahweh, is one. When you think of Elohim, whenever you have I am at the end of any, any noun, at the, at the end of any noun, it's, it makes it plural. And so we know that in, even in the, in the book of Genesis, in the beginning, God created. It was Elohim. In the beginning, God, in the fourth verse, fourth word in the Bible, we hear the Trinity. We see the Trinity in action. One God, three persons. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Isn't that the song we sing to him? So he says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Notice the reference to the Trinity there. In verse 5, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. I'm sorry, with all your strength. And notice, if you turn with me to Mark chapter 12, Jesus expands on this. So open up your Bibles to Mark chapter 12. Because here, in this chapter, in Mark chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 28 through 34 specifically. Jesus is pointing to this very passage. And I love that he adds something to it. He's the only one who can add to the Word of God, but he's really not adding to it. He's bringing more clarity to it. So it says in verse 28, Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, saying, Which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered in verse 29, The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel. He's pointing them to this very verse that we're looking at tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And here it is. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. And here Jesus adds, with all of your mind. With all of your mind and with all of your strength. See, the Pharisees and the scribes were so used to taking in information. But he's like, is this getting into your mind? You need to get, let it get into your mind. And, and, and that was the first step for them, to get it into their mind. And then God can deal with the rest. But he says, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, this is the first commandment, and the second is like it. It is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And so the scribe said to him, well said, teacher. Can you imagine saying that to Jesus, the Son of God? You know, that's, that's pretty good. You're not bad, you know. In a few years, you're going to be really something in Jerusalem. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my money on you, right? Well said. Pat him on the back. Hey, can I take you out for lunch? Right? <laughs> and he says, the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God. I can almost hear the piousness in his voice. Can I interject my own uh, thing? Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is only one God, and there is no other but he. 
and to love him with all of your heart, with all of your understanding, with all of your soul, all of your strength, and to love one neighbor as yourself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. (laughs) Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared ask him a question. I love that. So important. You know, when we looked at, you know, when he said the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. If you think of it, and you know this, in the Ten Commandments, those first four tablets, that first tablet of stone was all about our relationship with God, loving him with all of our heart, right? Having no other image before him, you know, uh, and, and all those first four commandments were about our relationship with God. And then the second tablet were the other ones that were our relationship with man, the things that we might do to one another, lying, stealing, adultery, fornication, all those ugly things, murder, coveting. And Jesus says, you can basically sum it up in two commandments. And in another passage, he said, and all, on all of this hangs all the prophets. Hangs every, every, everything is hung on that. I love that. So now in verse 6, he says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. Notice, in your heart. Not on the outside, but in the heart. God is interested in your heart. His design was never for it to be external. Always internally. Always internally. So don't try to fool anybody. Don't try to fool your friends, your family, your pastor, your friends, whoever it may be. Just be real. Can't we, be, can't we be real? Let's just be real about ourselves. Be honest with ourselves and say, Lord, do you know that the Lord can see right through you? He can see right through me. He knows exactly my motivations. And here's the cool thing, folks, is he, he's not mad at you. Even on your worst day, even when you're filled, your mind and your heart is filled with sin and awful things, he still loves you. So, if that is the truth, then doesn't that disarm you? Doesn't that just make you want to hand everything over to him and say, Lord, take all of this stuff, this ick. I give it to you. Will you take it? He's like, yes, I will. That's why I died. That's why I died on the cross for you, Rob. My plan for you was so much better than you could ever imagine. It's always been better. And yet you've made choices throughout your life thwarting my attempts to bring you into the place that I have for you. But instead, you went your own way, and you went off on your little meandering trail, and I got you way out in Egypt, and finally I had to rescue you. And I didn't do it out of grudgingly. I did it out of my love for you. To me, that's a God that you want to serve and completely give yourself over to, because that's his heart. Verse 7, he says, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Notice that word diligently. That means intensively. You shall teach them intensively. The idea is to pierce, to pierce. Have you ever had such a a desire to impart something? You just, you you wanted to infuse it into somebody. And, And I find that true with myself, with my own daughter. It's unfortunate, and we all know this if you have kids. There's something about you wanting to share the truth and the love of God and the things that you have learned to them. And unfortunately, isn't this the truth, that we try so hard and yet it just doesn't seem to happen that often. It's almost like they have to learn it themselves. 
they have to go through the process of messing up and then falling into sin and then, and then getting into this thing so deep that they're crying out for help. It just seems to be the way. It doesn't have to be that way. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited format, Simply mention today's date when contacting our church office for ordering details. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location, and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. You can also listen to these messages on your mobile device by going to Calvary Chapel of Rochester on Google Play or Apple Podcast. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.